This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Good. That's what my boys always say when they come from school. How are you doing? Good. <laughs> All right, we are continuing to walk through the Gospel of Mark. Today we're studying Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. We are going to see God's amazing authority to heal. In fact, as we walk through this Gospel between now and Christmas, we're going to see Jesus heal people again and again and again. You're going to see his healing power. And we, of course, all have brokenness in different ways parts of our our world, um, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, relational, um, and many different ways, we all need healing. And if you need healing in some area of your life, I just want to invite you to come week in and week out uh, over the next couple months, because you're just going to be amazed by Jesus Christ and his power to heal. And you might know someone who needs to be touched um, by the hope of Christ and the hope that he brings. Just bring him to the series. Today, we are going to witness a healing miracle. Jesus is going to heal a man with an unclean spirit. And uh, as we look at this healing event, we're going to see that Jesus really does have amazing authority to heal. And so it's my prayer and my hope that God's healing power would come upon us today. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do need healing. We thank you that you are present with us through your spirit. Would you fill us, anoint us, empower us with your spirit so that we could be amazed by Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Well, last week, if you were here, we looked at the core message of Jesus, his thesis statement, where he says, the time is fulfilled. What time is he talking about when he says that? The time is fulfilled. That's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. So in the book of Daniel, there was a time when the Son of Man would come and God was going to give the authority to him above all the different empires of the world. It's also in fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah where God would once again return to Jerusalem as king. And so what Jesus is declaring is the time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. It is near. It is here. So think about that and so that you believe it in this gospel. God has come back to be king. And the way that looks is that he's going to be king. He's going to reign in and through Jesus Christ. So Jesus calls then his disciples to think about this, this core message, so that they believe in this good news that the kingdom of God has come, and then he invites uh, them to follow him. And then, we then, who follow him, participate in God's redemptive plan to bring healing to the world. So, after Jesus calls his disciples, can you guess, what is the first thing that happens in the Gospel of Mark after he calls the disciples? Any guesses? It's pretty easy. 
Healing. He heals the healing of a man with an unclean spirit. So let's take a look at the text. Um, In Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21, it says that they went into Capernaum. And you're going to see on the screen, hopefully, a picture of Capernaum. And um, one of my favorite things on the next slide, one of my favorite things to do is to lead trips to Israel. And so I've, I've got to go here a few times myself. And you'll see Capernaum on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee right there. And you'll notice there's a close-up picture of a Jewish synagogue. Now, that is located on the very, very spot that the synagogue that Jesus did this miracle was located on. And so I was able to go there and read this very passage. You can go there today. Now, it's not the exact synagogue that he was in. Uh, The black basalt stones underneath would have been where that actual synagogue was. But that is the authentic location where this healing event takes place. So, verse 21, And immediately, one of Mark's favorite words, immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue that we just saw, where it was standing, and was teaching. And they were, what's the word? Astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had what? Yeah, authority, and not as the scribes. And then immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. Who who do you think the unclean spirit thinks Jesus is? Well, what what does he say? He says, The Holy One. Do you know what the Holy One is? In the Old Testament, It's the title for who? God. Uh, The Old Testament says the Holy One is the title for the creator of heaven and earth. The Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out. And they were all what? the word amazed that's why we sang that song so grateful for the worship team calling us into this word of amazement and they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying what is this a new teaching with what what's the word it's authority and he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him and immediately at once his fame the news the report about jesus and what he who he is and what he did spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of galilee all the way across the sea into portland yeah it's it's there somewhere implied okay this is an incredible healing event this passage is all about jesus's amazing authority to heal. And there are two words that frame this healing event. The first word is astonished. And then at the end, we see the word amazed. So at the beginning, verse 22, they were astonished at what? At his teaching. He, he didn't know, they hadn't seen anyone teach that way. Now, the Greek word for astonished literally means to be knocked out of your senses. It literally means to lose your mind. So if you've ever experienced something where you've seen something just amazing and you're like, what happened here? That blew my mind. Like, has anyone ever said that? My mind was blown. That's what, that was, was happening. Their minds were blown. And they were astonished. Their minds were blown by Jesus. And then at the end of this passage, they were amazed at Jesus' authority. He commanded unclean spirits, and boom, they went. 
And now something important to point out is that the people in the synagogue that day, they were not astonished by the unclean spirit. They were not astonished or amazed by the convulsing. They weren't amazed by the, uh, by the uh, crying out. They were not knocked out of their senses because of those things. What astonished them was Jesus's authority. That's what amazed them. They were amazed by Jesus' authority. It is truly amazing. So today, I want to look at three aspects about Jesus' amazing authority with you. First, Jesus has the power, a power that is seen. You can actually see it. Second, he has a power that can cleanse us. And then third, it's a power that can silence. And all of these things are incredibly good news for us. So those three things, are you with me? Number one, Jesus' amazing authority is a power that can be seen. They were astonished by his authority. They were amazed by this new authority, this new teaching that was happening. Jesus has authority, Jesus' authority has power. In other words, it's not just an intellectual teaching. Why were they blown out of their minds by this new teaching? What was new about his teaching? Well, let me try to answer that by describing what it was like um, at the time of Jesus when, when a Jewish rabbi would teach, okay? So when a, a rabbi would come into church, would come into a synagogue and teach, the rabbi would take the scroll from the Torah closet then um, there was a, the Moses seat. Then there was the reading done by the bima, which is a stone, um, raised stone where the scripture was read. Then the rabbi um, would then go sit in the Moses seat. That's how they taught. They taught s- seated. They were sitting. When Jesus gave his sermon on the mount, he sat down. Um, that was the tradition. And then, he, and then the rabbi would then begin once seated to teach. Now, here's how it would work. The rabbi would would pull out the scripture and start to talk about it. And the rabbi would talk about it, make a point and talk about it by quoting other famous rabbis. So they would say, blah, 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 blah. According to Rabbi Hillel, such and such and such, and Rabbi Shammai, who wrote this, blah, 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 blah. In other words, what the rabbi was doing in the time of Christ is they were, as a teacher, is the teacher would be appealing to a higher authority other than their own. We appeal to a higher authority when we teach today as well. We do the same thing. Um, When we, isn't it true, when we want to make a point that we're trying to teach and we're trying to prove the, the point, we try to prove the point with a higher authority than ourselves. So, Let me give you an example. It's important to get eight hours of sleep. Why? Did someone say why? See, that was perfect. See, why should I trust this authority? That's a good question. And so in order for me to prove the point, because, you know, I'm just me, I need to appeal to a higher authority. So this is how it works. It's important to get eight hours of sleep. 
according to the executive director of the National Sleep Foundation and leading scientists who have used empirically proven methods to study sleep apnea, it's important to get approximately eight hours of sleep. Do you see what I just did? I appealed to a higher authority to make the weight of what I said have power. And that's the way the Jewish rabbis would teach in the synagogue. But what blew their minds away is that Jesus didn't teach that way. It was a new, a fresh, an original teaching with authority because Jesus teaches with his own authority. He, he did not need to appeal to a higher authority because there is no higher authority than Jesus. The Greek word for authority is exousia. exousia. Can you say that with me? Exousia. I don't know if it sounds familiar, but we get words like executive from this Greek word. So an executive director has authority. And Jesus' authority was not just merely intellectual. His authority had power to act. When he spoke, things happened. His amazing authority can actually be seen. So, for example, if you try to put your shoes and the people in the synagogue, there's an exorcism that took place. So imagine you were there. And I want to point something out. When Jesus cast the evil spirit from the man, notice in the passage, there was no hocus pocus. There was no additional stuff. And he says, come out and came out. He, if you ever like look at documentaries or people doing these kinds of things or healings, often there's like sprinkling of water. So before, okay, we need to sprinkle the water. We need to put on the oil. We need to create a fire, blow to the wind, the north, the south, the east, you know, blow smoke in the direction. None of that. None of that. Jesus simply spoke and something happened. Come out. And the evil spirit came out. Jesus spoke and things happened. His authority is a power that can be seen. You know, one of the best examples of, or an illustration really, of Jesus' power that is seen comes from the book, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Anyone, have you ever read that book? Uh, Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. So let me just describe it a little bit. Narnia is this place of winter. So it's a place of winter. And there's this great lion. That's the main character. His name is? Yeah, so some of you read it. Okay. Who, who represents who? Jesus. So this great Aslan represents Jesus in this metaphor. And when Aslan is on the move, what happens? Spring! Spring happens. Flowers bud, blue skies, leaves on the trees. Look at this quote with me. Wrong will be right. When Aslan comes in sight, why don't we say it together? Wrong will be right. When Aslan comes in sight, at the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bares his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. Phil, what do you think about that rhyme? You know, Maine again. Maine again. Maine 
Again. Anyway, I'm not critiquing the rhyming techniques, but so, so do you see what's happening here? Winter meets its death. When, when Christ comes, something happens. Jesus does not simply have an amazing authority. His authority, his exousia, his power is a power that can be seen. It can turn our winter into spring. Life changes when we're under his authority. It changes. You know, I remember when I was 16 years old. That was the time that I made a decision to give my heart to Jesus Christ. And I remember going back to school, into my high school, and some of the high school students who knew me, they kept coming to me and saying, saying things like this. What happened to you? Something happened. Do you hear that? Happened. It's a change, a happening. They could see it. And all I could say is I gave my life to Jesus Christ. This is good news for us today. Jesus has amazing authority and his words have power that can bring healing and restoration and revival and renewal in our lives today. Amen. So number two, the second aspect of Jesus's amazing authority is it is a power that can not only be seen, it can clean. So Immediately, there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. He had an unclean spirit. The word unclean goes all the way back into the Old Testament and refers to being ceremonially unclean. And so let me try to illustrate how this works in that time. What was worship like in the Mosaic Age? So say you wanted to experience the presence of God and you wanted to worship. You'd go to the temple and you wanted to kind of be in God's presence. Could you just go straight there? No. You first, if you wanted to enter into the courts near the temple where God's presence was, you first had to descend some stairs. And hopefully on the screen you'll see a picture of a mikvah, a uh, baptismal pool. You can go there today right in the steps before you enter into the platform and into the courts. You would first go in and submerge or immerse yourself in water. You basically took a bath. Now, before you ever came, you had already taken a bath and worn good clothing. This was a ceremonial cleansing that was happening. And then you'd put on clean clothes and then you would ascend the steps then and enter into the courts of the temple. You needed to be clean in order to enter God's presence because God's presence is holy. It's, there's nothing like it. And we get clean today when we meet someone special as well. Like, can, amen? Yes? Do we do that? Um, we, what do we usually do if we're going to meet someone special? We take a bath or a shower. True confession. <laughs> True, that's what was so funny. Like, true confessions. I took a shower this morning. So, what does that mean about you? Yeah, thank you. Congratulations. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. What does that mean about you? Yes, you're special. We get clean, and then present ourselves to that special person. The immersion that happened before going into God's presence was ceremonial. 
It was spiritual, not physical. In the Old Testament, there were a number of ways that you could be ceremonially unclean. But let me just condense it and say it this way. Essentially, anything, any spirit that would cause decay, disintegration, or death was considered unclean. It could be a spiritual reality that would cause death. It could cause death in your relationships. It could cause death in your physical body, your emotions. It could cause a disintegration in how you think. Any spirit that causes death was considered unclean. And God wants to clean us from anything that causes death. So let me try to illustrate this. Who here likes the Lord of the Rings? Yeah, any fans out there? Woohoo! Okay. I like the Lord of the Rings. Let me, let me illustrate this. How an unclean spirit, spiritual authority, can cause death. So, Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. There are many different characters in, in that movie, in that book. But the character that I find the most interesting is the ring itself. What is the ring? The ring is the personification of evil. So it's fascinating because the ring, if you think about it in our context, is an unclean spirit that enters a host and causes darkness, decay, and disintegration and death. That's what it is. It's what evil does. Disintegrates you. So, for example, when Melkor uh, has the ring and he captures the East elves, he distorts them and turns them into orcs. Or what happened when Smeagol got a hold of the ring? He turned into who? Precious. Okay. What happened when the kings of men got a hold of it? They were turned into who? Ring wraiths. What, when Boromir it, uh, turned his beauty for patriotism, a good thing, but he tur- it turned it into a lust for power and he became a shell of the man he once was. Even Frodo, kind-hearted, good, serving, friendly Frodo, be, ter- was turned into self-pitying, self-loathing, self-referential, refusing his, the help of his friend. Do you see what the ring does? What this unclean spirit does is grab a, hold, a host, of, a hold, sorry, of what is good and twist it and turn it. And you become a phantom of what you're really meant to be. And that's what happens with unclean spirits. When, when we give authority to anything other than Christ, and that authority is allowed to live in a host... It can cause brokenness. So, for example, an unclean spirit like a ring can cause good things like, like a desire for beauty to turn in and become an de- eating disorder or pleasure into hedonism or success that can be turned into workaholism and cause decay and brokenness in our lives. When a different exousia or power has authority in our lives other than Christ, it can lead to brokenness. So what do we do about it? Well, we give ourselves to the higher authority of Jesus Christ. So here are some questions to think about for our lives. Are you surrendered to the authority of Christ? Am I surrendered to the authority of Christ? Or 
are we surrendered to your body's desires? Or are you surrendered to your feelings? Or are you surrendered to your frustrations? Or are you surrendered to your insecurities? What power is causing brokenness in your life? What needs casting out? What needs cleansing in your life? And hear the good news, friends. There is an amazing authority. His name is Jesus Christ, who has the power to cleanse us and to cast out what needs casting out. Okay, that leads us to the third aspect. The amazing authority of Jesus, not only does it, is it seen, not only is it a power that can cleanse, but it silences Jesus rebuked the man saying, be silent. He didn't, be silent. It's two words, but it's actually one Greek word. Fimo, it's a stern statement. He didn't come to the man and say, gee, think you'd like to come out. It'd be nice, please, if you came out. No, he, he, he silences it. Jesus silences the unclean spirit. And this is very good news. He can silence what is unclean. Maybe there is an internal and external voice that is playing that needs silencing in our lives. A voice that causes death. A voice that might say things like, you're not worthy. You're not lovable. You're a failure. It will never get better. Jesus can silence what is unclean. There is nothing we need to fear because there is no higher authority. So here's my question. Why does Jesus silence the unclean spirit in the first place? Have you ever thought about that? He didn't need to. I mean, he could have just, if you think about the event, he could have just said, come out. Why did he silence? I think the key is found in verse 26. It says the unclean spirit convulsing him. And what's the phrase? Crying out with a what? Uh, Crying out with a loud voice. You have to understand the gospel of Mark is brilliant. It is brilliant. And there's words he's going to pull here. That's going to, you'll see the meaning of them later in the book. And this phrase, he cried out with a loud voice, occurs at one other healing event in the Gospel of Mark. Any guesses? Well, when they delivered Jesus to be crucified, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. The one other place that this phrase happens is when Jesus himself is on the cross. Jesus cried out with a loud voice on that cross. You see, the, this healing event in the synagogue points to a greater healing event. Jesus delivering the man with an unclean spirit in the synagogue is foreshadowing a greater deliverance. This story is a foretaste of the ultimate deliverance from all unclean spirits. This healing event foreshadows a greater healing event. This story foreshadows the ultimate healing event when Jesus freely, willingly, lovingly gave his life for us on the cross. Now, I love how N.T. Wright puts it in his commentary. 
He's writing about this passage of this healing event in the synagogue. And I want to read it to you because it's so beautiful. He says, There is no doubt that Jesus quickly attracted huge crowds, which he did, and that his authoritative healings were the main reason. People came because of the authority he had to heal. Now, that in and of itself would have been threatening to the authorities of the day. But as we shall soon discover soon, there was more. You see, Jesus had joined in a struggle against the forces of evil and destruction. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Destroying evil and bringing restoration. Forces that like the dark, cruel sea pouring in on top of frightened and helpless travelers like us, seeming sometimes to be carried before them because, we're because of the fear that we see of the evil that's in the world. Well, Jesus came to be the human bridge across which people could climb to safety. And if, in the process, he himself paid with his own life the price of his saving authority, a human bridge with outstretched arms carrying people from death to life. That was simply part of the integrity of his action. The demons had their final shriek at him as he hung on the cross. They were challenging and mocking for the last time the validity of his what? Of his authority on the cross. He completed the healing work. He began the day in the synagogue. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? That's why Jesus could say after his work on the cross. All authority in heaven and on earth. Has been past tense. Given to me. Do you hear what he's saying? Jesus has authority over all forces of evil. It is handled once and for all. That is very good news. Jesus has amazing authority. And it is a power that can be seen. It can clean. And it can silence. All the unclean spirits in our lives today, too. So let me just conclude the way the passage concludes. The passage ends this way. It says, at once, immediately, his fame, the report, the news about Jesus, about what he did and his authority. He isn't like anyone else. Spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding regions of Galilee. And that is my hope and prayer. And I hope you'll join me in that hope and prayer that this news about Jesus' amazing authority would spread. It spread into the places of brokenness. It would spread into our hearts. This news about Jesus and his authority would spread into our hearts, all of our hearts, and into our homes and into our families. And this news about Jesus would spread into this church and into the city and into this nation and into this whole wide world. That's my hope and prayer. And may we today, just like the people witnessing in the synagogue, be truly amazed by the authority of Jesus to heal.
Heavenly Father, we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that we would be amazed. Be amazed not by the unclean spirit, not by the voices, not anything else, not even the evil we see around us, Lord, but that we would be we would lift our head above it all and be amazed by Jesus Christ. And just like that man in the synagogue, may we see the healing power of Jesus in our lives today. May we be delivered from any unclean spirit. May you silence their voices and may we experience spring, new life today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Well,